Hello and welcome to the Raider Wave Podcast. I am your host, Joe Helsing. It is Monday, October 17th, and this is episode 10. Today we'll be looking at kind of what happened during the Raiders' bye week and kind of get an idea where the team's at now and in relationship to the rest of the league and then kind of see where we can go from here. Some uh, Maybe some things to look at, some key additions, you know, kind of what's going on, maybe what we can do to kind of get a sense of where the team's going to be coming out of this bye week and, um, you know, playing against Houston on Sunday. Um, so the first thing we're going to touch on is just some of the news and stories from the Raiders uh, over this week. Um, first of which is this Devontae Adams situation. We know about what happened on Monday night. We know about the subsequent um, filings that's happened in Kansas City. Um, you know, for the most part, handled pretty terribly um, from just a just a PR point of view for uh, you know Devontae Adams. Uh, you know, I think all of us know, um, all of us listening to this know the type of character that Devontae Adams has and the type of person he is, and for him to be. Uh, misconstrued in this way and just kind of be, you know, thrown out to the wolves like that. It's not cool. Um, you know, from this guy filing a police report to, you know, the police report being put up online with his actual home address on there, you know, some stuff that's just really messed up. And we do have to take a time to look at this because a little bit of time to look at this because, you know, thinking back to, um, the Bobby Wagner incident that happened earlier in the season, um, and some of these things, you know, we can kind of get an idea of maybe what uh, Devontae Adams' league discipline will be, if any. Um, but, you know, I feel like this is a good time to just kind of point out that, um, you know, we can all think about to uh, the Tyreek Hill incident in 2019 during Can- in, there in Kansas City um, where, you know, his three-year-old son was admitted to the hospital and then there was all of these allegations of child abuse to the point where Tyreek Hill and his girlfriend who he's also been you know Tyreek Hill had been convicted of domestic abuse against this woman um in college you know they both lost custody of their son they kind of both um there was recording release where they both sort of admitted to um abusing their son (laughs) they both admitted to abusing their son I'll just say that again and um, basically, you know, nothing happened to Tyreek Hill in, in this Kansas City court. And nothing happened to Tyreek Hill from a league level of suspension or anything like that, or from a team level suspension. He was sort of removed from practices during that summer. But I mean, this happened during the offseason. So maybe he had, um, quote unquote, the benefit of that. But when you just look at the overall bias of that, and, you know, even coming out of this, Tyreek Hill was never really reprimanded or even kind of thrown under the bus and still has a pretty good um, reputation amongst the league, even though some of the stuff he does off the field is is sketchy and, you know, not um, in line with what you would want to have with a franchise player. Um, you know, I mean, we can kind of use that hopefully as a model of what we can expect from this. I mean, I think at this point of this whole Devontae Adams conversation with this photographer, um, we you know, this is a money grab. A lot of people have come out and said that, you know, on a professional level, we've had um, former players speak out against it. We've had former coaches speak out against it. We've had um, current and former photographers and, you know, um, I guess you'd say sideline staff from the NFL speak out against this. So, look, hopefully this doesn't amount to anything, um, especially any sort of league reprimand or any sort of league implemented suspension. Um, more so just because, I mean, look, we know what kind of dude Devontae Adams is. Um, 
And, you know, on his own accord, you know, moments after this thing happened, he, he goes out of his way to, you know, as soon, you know, as soon as he's able to talk to the press, you know, when that cool down period ends, first thing he says is like, yo, just a heads up. This is not who I am. My apologies to that dude. Also makes a point to go onto Twitter to apologize to it. Um, just the whole handling of this thing is messed up. And it's unfortunate to see that Devontae Adams will get this sort of bad rap publicly. And while, you know, like we say, players like Tyreek Hill seem to be completely um, unfazed by things that are actually legitimately messed up and sketchy. So hopefully this doesn't amount to anything. Um, You know, obviously he's probably going to have to pay some erroneous fines and fees and some of these things like that. That's just kind of the nature of the beast of this thing. Um, But look, I mean, he should not be seriously reprimanded or have any sort of long-term lasting effects from this that would negatively affect his, you know, playing or his career. So hopefully we can move on from it. And, you know, in all all accounts, it seemed like, you know, hopefully we have. Um, uh, Over the weekend, Devontae Adams did have his jersey retired at Fresno State. Derek Carr was there. Um, Devontae Adams in two seasons at Fresno State, you know, 3,000. Uh, receiving yard, over 3,000 receiving yards, 233 catches, two-time All-American. Um, so it's great for his you know, actual accolades and uh, some of his actual you know um, test amounts to his character are being displayed or um, portrayed in a public light, especially after some of the stuff that happened on Monday night, just because it's so out of line with who he is. Um, but, you know, we, we will kind of continue to follow this, as I'm, as I'm sure. You know, I don't want to overspeak or do anything until things have been figured out. But, I mean, these are kind of hand-in-hand, hand, this Devontae Adams-Bobby Wagner situation. So whenever these get resolved, the league will probably do some sort of, uh, you know, looking into it. The NFL did say over the weekend that, you know, they're waiting for all of the actual legal ramifications to be handled before any sort of, um, you know, investigation or you know, look into this on a, on a league level will be will be conducted. So that gives us a little bit of time. Um, like I said, I don't feel like any sort of real suspension will come from this. So hopefully we can just move on from that. Um, but yeah, so Devontae Adams had a pretty good weekend <laughs> otherwise. Um, you know, it's good to see him out there, uh, get his jersey retired. Like we said, Derek Carr was there. It seemed to be a pretty cool celebration. Um, another kind of off-season or um, – Bi-week news, uh, Max Crosby's daughter was born, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of stuff on Twitter space on that. Um, you know, great to see just Max Crosby kind of come into his self um, on a personal level and, uh, you know, especially on a professional level. But, you know, such a good dude. Um, it's just good to see him happy. You know what I mean? It's great. To, it's a good story to hear. Um, you know, congratulations to Crosby, of course. Um, Matt Collins was on Good Morning Football. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught any of that, but great, <laughs> great interview, man. He's, he's a cool dude for sure. Um, great vibe. And, um, you know, my girlfriend and I have kind of paid attention to some of his social media presence. I didn't know he had all these, uh, like, f- you know, factoid little kind of like, uh, TikTok, Instagram things. So he's, he's a cool dude. You know what I mean? I, I appreciate his, uh, persona. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I, I think that's one thing to um, talk about when we talk about the Raiders is that this collection of players, we talk about, you know, them being great players and all the culture stuff. I mean, like legitimately, there's so many awesome people that just play for the Raiders um, that it's just a fun team to be excited about for sure and to follow. So, of course, you don't need me telling you that. So in other news, um, Darren Waller kind of got blown up on Twitter over the weekend. Look, we know that some Raiders fans, you know, myself included, were kind of like, yo, what's going on with this guy? He's got to get his head in the game. He's got to stay focused. 
you know, I didn't want to overspeak. I don't want to project anything negatively against Darren Waller at all because, you know, like same deal, you know, I think so highly of him. I know how great of a player he is, how much potential he has. And, um, you know, I was legitimately concerned about like what was going on that was like um, seeming to distract or, you know, seemingly distracting him from the offseason into um, some of this contract stuff that, you know, I didn't really know if he was actually hurt during trading camp or if it was just contract extension holdout stuff. It's hard to say to, you know, his um, lack of focus and um, playmaking in, you know, these games so far this this year. So, um, you know, a lot of stuff was up in the air. It was kind of, you know, it, it was making me nervous for sure because he's such an essential piece of this offense. Um, but, yeah, like I was saying, you know, he was kind of blown up on Twitter because he's at the uh, Padres game this weekend. You know, Raiders fans, L.A. Raider fans, very big Dodger fans. For me, you know, I'm an Oakland fan through and through, so I'm all about the yays on this one, but I can understand, you know, I could uh, definitely understand, you know, the feelings of, uh, you know, what the heck, man, when he's there at, a, you know, this Dodgers game where the Padres did win, so that was a big loss to uh, Dodgers fans for sure after that big season. I didn't think uh, San Diego was going to be able to pull it out, but it is what it is, but you know, that was kind of when I realized that, oh, I didn't realize he was Delcy, uh, dating Kelsey Plum, the WNBA uh, All-Pro from this year, plays for the Aces, Las Vegas Aces. So that gives me a little bit more context and clarity when I'm looking at this whole situation, you know what I mean? Like from her summer to his kind of off-season um, projects and stuff that he's doing, you know, maybe that's can that's a little bit more understandable for some of this lack of focus and attention. And look, hopefully after this bye week coming into this, coming into this game, you know, in Vegas against Houston, that we really see him just locked in and ready to play, um, you know, the rest of the season going forward and, and to put up these numbers and stats and to be a, you know, viable option on offense and really kind of, you know, be that piece that we need in the middle of the field. So look, that's, that's, I say all this because it's very, very reassuring to me that, you know, oh, okay, he's just, he's just a girlfriend thing, you know, you know what I mean, he's got his personal life, that's much more um, reassuring and understandable than, you know, just my imagination going wild or whatever thing like that, so look, hopefully Waller's focused and locked in coming into, you know, this week of practice going, leading up to Sunday, Um, you know, same deal with Devontae Adams, I, I think that so many players on this team right now are just so ready to put whatever happened in the beginning of the season before this bye behind them and realize that, look, they're not out of this thing. Um, And everybody, you know, kind of like how we talked about after that Tennessee game when players took that personal accountability and responsibility to really, like, hone down and lock in and fix their own personal mistakes and to kind of, you know, take that, um, that measure to, you know, focus on, you know, just getting better fundamentally and just not making mistakes and things like that. I feel very, very strong that especially after that showing against Kansas City, very, very winnable game for this team again, that we can take this through the bye week and this team's going to look substantially different going forward. I think that's kind of the the overall narrative and tone uh, in the team, in the press conferences, all media outlets. So look, we're just going to kind of ride on the back of that. That's where we're at right now because we know how skilled this team is. We know um, the potential for this thing. And look, we... You know, we have the um, the gift of, uh, you know, I guess hindsight or just, you know, the fact that, you know, the NFL is still very, very um, kind of lopsided. There's a lot of teams still trying to figure themselves out. You know, we're still in that early part of the season, kind of coming into that 
middle of the season stretch where we start to see some teams kind of come into quote-unquote mid-season form. But look, there's a lot of sloppy teams out there. Um, like I said, this is Monday the 17th, so we already know that Buffalo beat Kansas City. And look, if Buffalo could run the ball a lot better, maybe like a team like we can run the ball, um, you know, Buffalo would be unstoppable. But seeing them against Kansas City and seeing and comparing that to the way that we played against Kansas City, there's not a whole lot of differences there. We, When this team shows up and can play a complete game the way they have been the last couple of weeks, we know that they can pretty much take on anybody right now in the AFC. You know, look, that being said, um, we're going to kind of look at the roster now, see where everybody's at going through this week, um, just to kind of get an idea of, you know, strengths and weaknesses. We already kind of have a pretty good idea of that, but it's nice to kind of just, you know, look back at some of the um, grades just to see everybody stacks up. Um, First thing we'll kind of do is uh, we'll take a minute very, very briefly. Well, I guess we'll start with Derek Carr. Um, Look, I'm not going to beat Carr up. Um, there's a couple of good uh, different things I saw over the weekend where, you know, look, if if Derek Carr is so bad, then why is his why are these kind of middling quarterbacks, someone like uh, Kirk Cousins, maybe even I guess Zach Wilson's even been thrown in there right now. Um, you know, J- Jimmy Garoppolo's thrown in there a lot. Um, even Geno Smith right now. I mean, that's maybe it's an anomaly. Maybe it's not, you know, look. You know, why is Derek Carr essentially the problem when he's putting up similar statistics and numbers to some of these other teams' uh, quarterbacks that seem to be doing record-wise fundamentally better than the Raiders are currently in the season? And look, I think that, you know, for people people like us, Raiders fans that have been watching Derek Carr throughout the entirety of his career, understanding his strengths, understanding his weaknesses, knowing what to expect from him, um, also having the wherewithal to understand how difficult it is to even have a quarterback as viable as Derek Carr on your team, um, and you can't just cast him away. I mean, look, there's stuff on Twitter this week about, you know, Raiders need to go um, draft a quarterback coming up, you know, this is it, blah, 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 blah. We are nowhere near that. And as far as draft cons- draft needs are concerned, we know we need to have internal pressure on the D-line. I think that's still an issue. I think most of us are there. Secondary help substantially right those those are two main key focus of I mean like yes of course everybody says yo look if we just have a you know we already have a pretty good you know top top five edge rusher in the league we just need another one of those we also need interior line demon who's, who can get pressure we need a great linebacker we also need like two shutdown corners right everybody can say that right but you know realistically this team has a very viable shot at getting a lockdown corner in the draft or getting that kind of missing piece on the defensive line, like, or, you know, just basically buffering up the offensive line. Um, so look, we know Derek Carr's limitations. We're not going to throw him under the bus. And I think most of us, I would hope are in agreement that the only real issue right now is Derek Carr is the fact that it's, it's visibly, you know, it's all of us can see that he's not operating at a hundred percent. He's not looking comfortable in the pocket. He's not, you know, at, and, you know, and um, as good as Colt Miller has been in the past, we've known that he's kind of struggled in the early part of the season. You know, Derek Carr, we know about the injury. We know how long it took for him to get comfortable in the pocket again after that injury. And with some of the, you know, struggles that Colt Miller has had, you know, he doesn't really trust his blind side right now. You can kind of you can kind of see that. You can kind of feel it when he's playing. So, look, we know that as much as we want to critique Carr, he still has those abilities and that 
you know, that ability to lead this offense. And so what we really want to see from him is confidence and just basically the ability to, you know, drive this team down the field, you know, command this offense, have some of that self-assurance and that confidence to really just stand up and, you know, be the man out there, man. You, know, you are QB1. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, look, you know, Carr has the ability to kind of sidestep some of these things and be a nice guy about some of this stuff. And, you know, I spoke um, maybe, maybe last week, a, a couple episodes ago about, you know, I would love to see him, you know, getting things right. You, it can tell, you can tell that he's a little bit uncomfortable with the offensive line, especially when he needs to make changes at the line pre-snap. So, you know, if, if he's having those issues, if, if those issues are going on, I'd like, to be those, I'd like to see those addressed on the sidelines, similar to how kind of, you know, Brady was lighting up his offensive line right now, you know, um, or, you know, on Sunday when they lost to the Steelers. Look, he, you know, good quarterbacks know how to do that. They know how to inspire guys. They know how to get players to, you know, overperform based on, you know, being able to build that that chemistry, that rapport, that confidence. You know, you need to be the, a beacon of confidence for the rest of your team. And I think he can get there. I hope that he can get there. And I'm not I don't I don't think anybody right now, especially at this point in the season, at this point of this um, you know, new coaching staff, this new organizational structure, Derek Carr is absolutely not the issue. So I just wanna, you know, hone in that point again. We know that he's had struggles on offensive this uh, offensively this year, um, struggles throwing the ball, things like that. So look, you know, Derek Carr needs to find a way for him to inspire, you know, himself at a higher level of play, inspire this team. So I, I feel like, uh, you know, hopefully over this week, over this extended bye week, this chance for guys to kind of check out for a couple of days, then kind of get a fresh look at this whole thing, this point in the season. Look, like I was saying, kind of after that Kansas City game, we would hope that this offense showing up on Sunday against against Houston will be very crisp and very sharp and looking, you know, a lot different than it did it earlier on in the season. For Like I was saying, you know, as amazing how Josh Jacobs has been, you know, if we could just get a little bit more uh, security in that passing game, start, you know, utilizing some more weapons, hopefully Darren Waller will be healthy. I'm pretty sure Darren Waller will be healthy coming into this week. Also, Foss Moreau, if you remember, before the Chiefs game, limited participant in practice. Hopefully Foss Moreau will be playing as well so we can, you know, utilize tight ends a little bit better now. And really, you know, for, you know, individual players I would like to see I think I'm pretty much on board with everybody um Tyron Johnson Charles Woodson talked about Tyron uh, tweeted about Tyron Johnson in that Chiefs game you know look what happened to this guy I liked him um like was kind of suspected you know Tyron Johnson was waived and then basically signed on the practice squad um that was kind of like a some roster stuff with the with moving Blake Martinez up and some other guys so um, now that Tyron Johnson's back on the practice squad, I would prefer to see Tyron Johnson over someone like Keelan Cole right now. Keelan Cole, really no strong presence in the passing game, doesn't look confident out there. Also on the, on the special teams unit that he's on, punt returner, kick returner, I don't really trust Keelan Cole right now. He just doesn't, he just doesn't look confident. He doesn't look like he's you know, out there trying to make plays. It looks like he's a little unsure of himself and he's trying not to make mistakes. So, you know, a guy like... Uh, Old T Billy, like they're calling him. Look, we saw him in the preseason. He he showed flashes. He has that ability to kind of his speed. I think is what we're missing, especially in the slot. And you know that that breakout speed would be great to see on special teams right now. So you know, we'll keep an eye on some of this player depth. Hopefully, um, Tyron Johnson does get a shot to move up. You know, the rest of the offense goes. Um, we'll just kind of go through. 
Look, we know that the offensive line has been an issue, but look, the offensive line has been doing very, very well, especially in, in, in run blocking and giving Carr, you know, time. I mean, look, we knew that pass blocking was probably going to be the biggest weakness of this offensive line, which is great that now we're starting to establish the run early, establish the run regularly, and, you know, get Carr into these play actions so that we can kind of give some misdirection, give, give different looks on defense, you know, base, or on offense to just basically, you know, give that give us that advantage and, you know, keep the defense kind of on their toes a little bit and they can't react as quickly and they can't just basically impose their will. They're more so responding to what the offense is doing. So, look, we'll just kind of go through some overall grades right now. Um, Andre James currently ranked ninth out of 36 centers. Um, Pass blocking's at a 77. His run blocking's at a 61, but, I mean, we're usually pulling on the side as it is, so... Overall offensive grade of 66.9. That's ninth out of all current centers. Um, We go down to Dylan Parham. Very, very similar stats. Uh, We know that he's bounced between right guard, left guard, and center with Andre James being out um, earlier on in the season. Dylan Parham right now, four rookie, ranked 19th out of 71 right now in guards. Um, Overall offensive grade is of a 66. Um, But same deal, you know, sub-60 pass blocking ability. He's, He's close to 70 now. Um, in run blocking, we know that he's been probably a one of the more exciting pieces on the offensive line. You know his development, him being you know one of the 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 first uh, draft pick from you know this whole organization and kind of seeing what we were going to get from him. We all know that he's been doing very well. I don't think any of us are really upset with um, how Dylan Parham is set up has been performing, especially as a rookie. Um, John Simpson, he's been kind of sw- switching in now more for uh, Alex Bars. We've seen him more so on that in that left guard position, um, and he seemed to be doing fairly, fairly well um, when he's in there. Uh, his overall offensive grade right now is a 63. Um, same deal though; his pass blocking still at 55. So, you know, as this as this line starts to develop a little bit more, we'll, we'll give Alex Bars here. Right now, Alex Bars is 69th at a 71 offensive lineman. I think that, you know, look, um, Justin Huron going to the IR, I think, hurt us pretty significantly. I think by, by this point now, if he was healthy, he probably would have been swapped in for um, Alex Bars. Alex Bars, you know, not only has he been um, underperforming as far as just overall blocking and uh, positioning, uh, he's he's also good for about two or three penalties a game. It seems like it's, lo- it's working out. So we know McDaniel's is not really tolerant of things like that. And um, like we said, I think he's slowly moving out of the depth chart right now and, and being being replaced by, you know, maybe John Simpson, even Lester Cotton Sr. Um, Lester Cotton he struggled more so uh, against the run, but he, I think that's be- that's this grading is more so just saying because he hasn't really been in as much. Uh, but Lester Carton right now is averaging a 79.1 in pass blocking. So if we can get some more, you know, internal uh, presence there, whether that is at that right guard or left guard position, we're assuming Parm's going to be playing um, right guard, I think. And that's kind of up for Thayer Mumford on that right tackle. Uh, I think most of us now at this point will kind of compare him where and where he uh, kind of lands versus uh, Jermaine Illuminor. So right now, Jermaine Illuminor, 67th out of uh, 76 total tackles. Overall offensive grade of 53.8. We know Illuminor has struggled. You know, he got bull rushed by Joey Bosa. He's gotten he's gotten blown up on, on the edge a little bit. So, um, And he's also been, 
you know, committing considerable penalties. So Jermaine Illuminor now, I think, is also being replaced with our boy uh, Thayer Mumford, who's he's usually been coming in. They've, they've still been rotating in-game. Uh, Thayer Mumford at a tackle right now, his overall grade is, isn't that much better than um, Jermaine Illuminor. Look, I say all this because at this point in the season coming out of the bye week, we would have hoped that the offensive line had worked itself out. And, you know, looking at the grades, looking at the way the team has played, it looks like we're still going to be swapping some of these guys out. And they're getting the job done effectively. You know, when we look at total offense right now, Raiders are currently tied for 17th overall in offense based on pro football focus through six weeks. We're, we're going to say like five and a half weeks. Some of the, uh, it is Monday. Some of these grades take a, a little bit longer to get up. But, you know, look, we know that the Raiders offense, especially with this run game developing, has been doing fairly well, and their defense has been able to keep us in games, currently ranked 22nd overall in the league um, through pro football focus. And the issues on special teams have still been hurting us, um, currently ranked 26th right now in special teams. But when we look back at the Raiders offense, you know, look, we're 17th for points scored, and defensively we're 19th for points allowed. So, you know, the Raiders can usually, like, I mean, like we know, uh, keep games close and, and, and score points when it matters. And so this combined with this new run game now, ability to have long drives to, you know, keep high-impact players like Patrick Mahomes off the field through this this new running attack that the Raiders have. And look, it's it would, my favorite part about this running attack right now is, you know, Jakob Johnson for pass blocking is rate, rated at 84.3 and his run blocking is 47.8. But we've seen Jakob Johnson throw up huge blocks um, for Josh Jacobs over the last two weeks. So, look, these two-back sets, these, you know, giving some uncertainty in the backfield for the defense to try to analyze in real time, and we can run play action off of that, maybe some wheel routes, you know. Like, this offense and and how it's going to be opening up as the weeks go on, I think that, you know, for the most part, like I, I feel like most of you feel, we're right there, right? I mean, we've heard... Other analysts say that. We've heard players say that. Look, we're, we're very, very close, right? Well, I think that, you know, hopefully, you know, coming into this game against Houston with this rest, we're going to see this offense just really, really accelerate. It'd be great for Derek Carr to really start airing the ball out. You know, now that we're getting this run game established, maybe we can start throwing the ball a little bit more and really get this high-octane offense going on. I know that I kind of gave Carr a couple of knocks on some uh, – bad throws, uh, especially in the season. I even mentioned some in that Kansas City game. But some of those, both of those passes, I mean, the underthrown pass to Devontae Adams was the one on the first touchdown. But that second touchdown pass to Devontae Adams was like perfect ball placement. So, you know, Derek Carr, I feel like, is getting more comfortable. Um, So as this season goes on, I think we're really going to start seeing what we expected to see coming out of the season offensively for the Raiders. Um, Looking over at the defensive side of the ball, Look, we know how great of a season uh, Max Crosby's been having. I mean, Max Crosby right now is currently ranked second out of 112 um, edge rushers in the league with a, co- with a total uh, defensive grade right now of 90.6. I mean, this guy's playing all pro. We know that. You don't need me to tell you how great Max Crosby has been. I mean, he is such a, a piece of this defense. I mean, this defense would not be anywhere near as effective as it is if we didn't have Max Crosby coming off the edge. And Chandler Jones, for as much, uh, 
you know, criticism as he's got early on in the season, especially with effort and playmaking ability. You know, look, that game against Denver, he had some crucial, crucial rushes, you know, a lot of, a lot of pressures just getting, getting in the backfield. We saw it again in Kansas City. Um, so, look, hopefully, you know, going forward, these edges will be, you know, defined, but it's still that kind of interior defensive line. I mean, that's where we're, you know, guys that like to step up in the pocket that have great, you know, all pro centers like Kansas City does. Um, you know, we still need to have that that interior pressure. And I, I think, you know, around the league, we're seeing now the rise of how effective interior pressure is when you have, you know, you, know, you don't have, have to have an all pro um, edge rusher if you can have, you know, considerable if you just have some sort of pre- presence on the edge and then like a, you know, very, very critical interior uh, lineman. Um, I think we kind of saw that this week with, uh, look, the Jets, we knew that they had drafted pretty well and been building this defense for a little bit and kind of waiting for what Robert Salah could do with them. We saw Quinn and Williams go off this week. I think we've seen a lot of interior. Um, similarly, Chris Jones is on kind of like a tear right now. So look, um, also, homeboy over in Tennessee that we talked about. Look, we know how crucial having an interior presence is. The Raiders don't really have one, but, um, you know, Bilal Nichols has been playing a little bit better. Um, what's his name? Andrew Billings has been okay. So, look, hopefully as the season goes on, you know, and as we get this this edge rush attack going, that's that's the opportunity for these, these guys in the interior to really step up. You know what I mean? So, I don't think we're that far off. Like, like we've talked about, you know, Patrick Graham has the ability to, for the most part, always have the right kind of, you know, scheme or the play, you know, called for that. Positioning has always been pretty effective. It's just that, you know, our players aren't making the plays, essentially, especially in the secondary sometimes. Uh, you know, we still struggle in, in coverage and things like that. So as good as Nate Hobbs has been and, and you know, a, as great it is, is as it is to see his development um, you know, especially this season and last year as well, um, we would how how different would this defense look if we just had a true proven veteran shutdown corner? Um, so you know, kind of looking at you know the way that the season is kind of going for you know the rest of the league and 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 um, you know I I would hope that maybe that would be a focus for um, Ziegler kind of going going through this I mean we've we've heard some rumblings now look Carolina's we know that has been struggling all season Matt Rule just got fired there's been a lot of rumblings about Christian McCaffrey getting traded um, some of these offensive pieces on Carolina's side but you know I mean probably they won't let go of J.C. Horn but they Carolina specifically especially if you think back to the early part of last season where they were you know a top five ranked defense for the first six weeks or so Carolina has some playmakers um, that could probably be up for grabs in that secondary. So, look, that's what I would like to see. You know what I mean? That's that's a true kind of um, focus point I feel like that the Raiders should be looking at, building more depth in the secondary, especially with some of the injuries we've had this year, especially what this team looks like without Nate Hobbs on the field. Um, so, you know, and look, you know, I, looking ahead to what the draft looks like for the Raiders, uh, 2023, we have a first round, we have a second round, we have a third round, we have a fifth round, you know, 2024, exactly the same, 2025, exactly the same, you know, uh, 2023, 2024, sixth and seventh round picks, that's what's kind of um, dependent on how some of these trades work out and where some of this placement is. So, you know, some late round draft picks from 2023, 2024, still up in the air, but you know, the Raiders do have some significant draft capital. They do have some pretty decent players in the practice squad that could be used in a deal. So 
I would not be surprised if we try to get secondary help, if we try to get maybe some O-line help. Uh, Carolina has some pretty decently graded uh, guards and tackles. Um, you know, specifically, we can look at this guy, Austin Corbett. You know, fifth out of uh, 71 total guards right now, total offensive grade of 80.4. There's Brady Christensen, 21st out of 71. That could just be a depth piece. I would not be surprised the Raiders are looking right now at, you know, key pieces on teams like Carolina. And I would hope that we get, you know, look, offensive line help, especially secondary help, I think would be a key focus just because how, you know, critical it would be to have shut down corner. You know, I mean, you can't have too many, right? I mean, especially with how good our pass rush has been on the edges. Um, we can't rely on Nate Hobbs to do it all himself. And that's not to, you know, throw shade at guys who've really been coming up like Amik Robinson or Rocky Sin. Um, even Sam Webb, you know, has been pretty um, stable and consistent and is, and is playing as a, as a you know, a, a depth guy that's been coming in and been asked to, you know, play a starting role um, and being a key piece in the secondary. Look, I have full faith in this team continually to build and, you know, kind of vet players to get, you know, guys that know how to overperform or to step up or are committed to growth and have that kind of, um, you know, we talked about earlier earlier in this episode just about how cool, the, I mean, how cool some of these guys are in Raiders, but that's because they're, you know, realistic down-to-earth people that have um, some sense of humility, some sense of personal growth and that kind of like attachment to their community and to, you know, their families and things like that, you know, good character, good natured people. Um, I have full confidence that, you know, as the season goes on, um, you know, we'll be able to kind of find more guys like that in some of these struggling teams. Um, you know, look, that being said, this week we saw a lot of upsets. Um, you know, we, it's still early enough in the season where teams are still trying to figure themselves out. I, th- I don't think there's really um, any proven teams yet in the league other than maybe Buffalo and Kansas City. Um, and like I said, you know, look, um, seeing how well we played against Kansas City, we know that the Raiders have the skill position players and, you know, basically the right approach to beat Kansas City. One thing we can talk about with Buffalo's defensive scheme um, that maybe we can take away is that, you know, it was um, – very unpredictable, um, you know, just anything that you can do to cause a little bit of indecision in Patrick Mahomes just, just to slow down that, that locked-in focus ability that he wants to get into where he can really start getting rolling. Anything you can do to disrupt that, you know, we saw them going from man to zone to sometimes even running, you know, man on one side of the, of the field and zone on the other. They're, they were doing a lot of different things to just kind of slow down Patrick Mahomes' ability to kind of read and, and get comfortable, right? And we saw the Raiders do that in the first half. We saw the Raiders do that pretty well in the second half. We saw the Raiders get an opportunity to win the, give themselves an opportunity to win the game um, late in that game in Kansas City. So, Look, we don't need to beat up or kind of, you know, put anything down because we know about the playmakers on this team. And I think that we're all kind of collectively starting to see that, you know, the coaching is there. There is significant improvement, and we're seeing significant improvement in the players. Um, We'll take a quick little break, and then we'll come back and just kind of look at what happened uh, this week in the games. I know we still have Denver and the Chargers tonight. Um, which is a you know big di- divisional game for us to kind of see where we where we kind of lie in this whole thing. It's it's not very um, great sitting there at the bottom of one and four. You know maybe uh, Wilson talked about his shoulder opening up a little bit. He said he got a shot. Maybe he's feeling a little bit better. 
Um, look, maybe Denver can steal one from the Chargers. Uh, we know that the Chargers kind of had some inconsistencies themselves, um, like many teams in the AFC right now. So, look, division's not totally out of it yet uh, based on, you know, where we can kind of go with this thing. And the way the AFC's looking, you know, the playoffs are completely out of it as well. So we'll just take a minute to look at that. Okay, we're back. So, look, we know the Raiders are 1-4. We know at the bottom of the AFC West. We talked about uh, likelihood of making the playoffs being in that ballpark of 17% um, after that Chiefs loss. So um, we'll continue to monitor that. I'm kind of going through some of the games this week. We'll just kind of run through the divisions right now on some key kind of metrics. Look, we know the Bills um, kind of locked in. I think they're at like a 30% right now to make the Super Bowl. So, uh, we won't really focus too much on them, but look, right now the Jets are four and two. Um, Dolphins are three and three, still struggling. Uh, Tua and uh, Tua, I think, is clear to play next week, so um, we'll see how that offense responds. Now they're having some other injuries going on. Um, we'll kind of see how well Miami continues to perform going on um, as the year progresses. Look, we know that the Jets have been playing pretty well this year. Um, Look, they have a lot of first-rounders on defense, some first-rounders on offense. They do have playmakers. They've been doing pretty well building that team um, over the last two years. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll continue to see how that team develops. But that being said, you know, Miami's struggling. And um, New England right now also at 3-3. Three and three, They've, uh, with this zappy kid, um, you know, some of this – their offense looks pretty good. We know how effectively Bill Belichick's been able to scheme on defense for his entire freaking career. So, look, the AFC East is going to be very, very interesting to see how some of these division divisional games go um, as the year progresses. You know, who maybe one of them can steal a game from the Bills. That's that's a realistic possibility, um, especially the way the Patriots' defense is and the Jets' defense is. So, look, we add that to the fact that Miami already beat the Bills. Um, you know, a little bit, I mean, when we're talking about the wild card right now, you know, a lot of things can still happen that middling AFC East, will, will the Jets continue to, to overperform? Are they going to kind of fizzle out? Are they going to, are they going to, you know, who, who's to say, you know, I mean, a lot of stuff right now, a lot of talk out of New York. I listened to a lot of Tiki and Tierney there, you know, now on WFAN, so New York based. And, you know, I've been kind of, as a result, following the Giants and the Bills, or uh, the Giants and the Jets all offseason. So uh, we'll kind of continue to see how that develops. But a, a lot of people are talking right now, full-on culture change with the Jets. So, I mean, easier said than done. But the Jets, you know, a lot of skilled players on both sides of the ball. So, um, and, you know, that game against Green Bay, I mean, we can kind of argue whether or not Green Bay is even there right now. But they look, they've look they been looking pretty good um, consistently over the last couple of weeks. So um, going to the AFC North, you know, Ravens lost. They're at three and three. Bengals won. They're at three and three. Browns are two and four. Steelers are two and four. Still up for grabs for anybody. And those favorable, 
you know, this, I mean, this point in the season, you know, being able to judge the wild card on some of these, you know, 500, just sub sub 500 records, um, anything's up for grabs there. Uh, AFC South kind of same deal. Uh, Titans are looking a little bit better. Uh, they were also on a buy. Look, the Titans have won three straight. Um, Colts beat the Jaguars finally. Um, Texans are one, three and one. Jags are two and four. Colts are three and two. You know, the Jaguars for as good as their defense has been, uh, Trevor Lawrence has still been struggling They're They still have some offensive struggles. So, you know, look, the Raiders not totally out of this yet. Like we've said, uh, time and time again, we know that, um, the Raiders have been underperforming and they haven't been op- you know, running kind of at full speed the way that we kind of hoped. So, look, anything anything is possible right now. I mean, we cannot stress that enough. The type of playmakers and the personalities that we have on both sides of the ball on this team, you know, combined with um, some more effective coaching as the year goes on. Um, look, we're still struggling on special teams. We know that. Um, but for the most part, look, our defense has really come along. It's always consistently been able to keep us in the game. The offense, for as much as we want to critique and um, throw Derek Carr under the bus, look, this is the most balanced our offense has been, and this is the best our run game has looked to not even know how long. And I have full confidence that the passing attack will be there. Darren Waller will still have probably a Pro Bowl caliber season. Devontae Adams will probably still end up finishing with over you know 1,000-yard receiving, and the way it looks, probably close to 14, 15 touchdowns. Um, Hunter Renfro will probably, you know, look, we, um, still have a lot of possibility potential, you know, the rise of Matt Collins, the, I mean, we have so many key pieces on offense that we're not worried that I wouldn't be worried about the passing attack, especially with the way that we've been able to run the football. So, um, you know, we're not out of the weeds yet. We know how difficult this start is going to be to overcome if the Raiders do want to make the playoffs, but I am not, uh, completely you know, giving up all hope. I think that you're right there with me. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Um, We'll do another episode probably on Thursday or Friday, looking at um, some of these key matchups with Houston, where we can kind of take advantage of some deficiencies or what we can kind of get an idea beforehand going into this game. And, um, you know, I just want to thank everybody again for taking the time to listen to this. Please like, comment, subscribe, uh, download, all that stuff. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. (laughs) <laughs> you know, let let people know it's out here. Um, probably one of the more unconventional Raider podcasts. Um, but look, we try to be objective here. We try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. We try to focus on the positive. We don't want to go into these endless tirades, uh, you know, knocking the team, knocking the players, knocking the coaching staff. That's not what we're trying to do here. Um, absolutely, we will provide uh, criticism where criticism is due. But for the most part here, you know, I'm already convinced that this is a uh, Super Bowl caliber championship style team, uh, championship uh, viable, you know, organization as far as coaching staff and, um, you know, front office and where this whole franchise is heading. So it's only a matter of time. I have uh, complete confidence that, uh, you know, things will get better. And I, I feel like as this thing goes on, we're going to be very, very impressed with the way the Raiders have been playing and kind of been able to establish themselves as a viable um, contender in, in the league. So thanks again. And until next time, peace. I'm out of here.
Radio 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 Radio